I applied for a job. And I applied for a front desk position at a hotel where I had another friend who referred me for that job. I showed up, I had my resume, my suit, I'm ready to go. And, uh, and the manager came out, she looked at me, went back into the office and told someone to come out and let me know that she would call me back. And, and they never did. So I called back to follow up and I found out from my friend after a lot of phone tag that they were never going to interview me once they saw me because of my hair. And I didn't meet the grooming standards. Men can't have long hair. And so this was 20 years ago at this point, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of employee handbook that could probably still use an update to this day. Uh, so I already had another interview scheduled for another front desk job with Kempton. And so I called them up and said, Hey, listen, I, I understand that there's grooming standards in the industry that I might not meet. If that's not a thing that's going to work for you all, I have locks. I'm not cutting them. So I just wanted to save us some time if that's not going to work. And they invited me to come on in anyway and see what happens and, uh, and go from there. And so I was able to start with Kempton at the front desk. And as Kempton opened hotels in the DC area, which is essentially seemed like one every six months was opening those first few years, I was able to bounce around and move up. From my last day at the front desk to my first day as a GM was six years. And so I've been a GM for a while now. This is the sixth hotel that I've run in that capacity. Welcome to Hospitality Daily. I'm your host, Josiah McKenzie. That was Dante Johnson, general manager of Revival, a hotel in Baltimore, Maryland. Here's Dante with more. I've had conversations with people where I'm dressed like this, and right now I'm wearing you know, a sweatshirt, some khakis, and a pair of chucks. And I'm having a conversation with people at the front desk. And my first thought is, I'm standing behind the desk, so I very obviously work here. There's no confusion there. But... At the end of the conversation, um, they go, oh, can I have your business card? I go, how do you know I have a business card? I'm like, you, well, based on our conversation, you're obviously a person who is in charge of things here. And so that tells me a lot about how intuitive uh, hotel guests are. We don't give them enough credit because so often when you look at breaking down uniform programming and how things need to look and who needs to wear what, the first objection is, well, then how are guests going to know who wears and who does like, well, the guy with the earpiece on uh, who's standing at the front door is probably a person who works at the hotel. My people at the front desk dress better than, than I do. Why would I pick something for them to wear? Right. Um, you know, your earrings can't be above a certain size as a person who works at a desk for what reason? Right. Um, you know, why, why are people wearing blazers in Baltimore in July? For what reason does that make sense? It's 150 degrees. And I think about it in the context of the people who taught the people who taught me were doing this before the internet. There's nothing in, in our day-to-day lives that's the same as the way it was 50 years ago, except for 45% of every employee handbook. So the thought process was instead of clinging to the things that exist until that's no longer viable, why don't we get rid of everything that doesn't currently serve us best today and really run it like a startup? If no one had ever told us what it's supposed to be like, what would we think were the best ideas? At the beginning of the conversation, you talked about your very first interview. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you thought about uh, defining and creating a culture for your teams at the hotel? It stands out as very different from what you experienced as a, a job candidate early on. I remember very vividly what that experience was like. And I think about it through a lens of every minute that I've spent in this industry, 
I've been playing with house money because I was never meant to be here. The industry didn't really embrace me at its first opportunity based on nothing except how I look. I could be God's gift to hospitality, but based on how I look from 20 feet away, somebody made a decision that they weren't even going to spend five minutes talking to me. And when I think about the greatest scheme of things, taking me out of it, and it's not really this personal thing, it's just logically and from a business standpoint, fundamentally, there's so much that's wrong with that. Uh, and for an industry that now is in this massive arms race with talent, to have moved like that for you know decades and gotten away with it. There was nobody who was saying, we're not going to stay at Hotel X because because they say they want people to be themselves, but they're not really allowing that until George Floyd got murdered. So, you know, I think about other industries like like the taxi industry as an example and what Uber did to, to that industry. And for the longest time, if you called a cab, maybe they showed up, maybe they didn't. And when you call back to check on it and check for a status update, the person on the other end usually wasn't friendly. And we just accepted it as how things have to be because we didn't have an alternative. And so I, when I think about the culture here, I want to create something that people would choose even if there was an alternative. And I think a lot of that centers around this idea of people being able to show up as their full selves and also, you know, seeing themselves represented in the space. Uh, and I think the way I typically put that is like, it's hard to see yourself in the space when you don't see yourself in the space. And so that's everything from the music that's played to, you know, I think when I walked through the front door of a hotel, if I saw somebody behind the front desk who was dressed like Jason, I go, oh, that's incredible. They did a thing. And it's not just because I like the way that Jason dresses. We stayed at a hotel in Denver where we were having, we showed up for lunch. There's one person, you know, kind of running the show. Uh, so this person is server, barista, bartender, everything, you know how that goes. And he had nail polish on. And I go, yo, they get it. They get it. Because I know what most hotel handbooks look like. And we're allowing people to wear bright green nail polish if they want to, regardless of gender. And so I think that uh, when I see it done well, it's something that sticks out to me as a consumer. Here's the other part, right? Like those are the things that are written in the book. But from like an industry culture standpoint, I've witnessed a situation where when we describe somebody, the way somebody speaks as being polished or unpolished, right? or them being articulate or not articulate, right? We wouldn't say anything if someone had a British accent and was working at the front desk. But if they had a local accent from West Baltimore, we're like, this person, this person, you know, we, I don't think they should be customer facing. Right. You know, they don't sound polished enough to do this. This is not a hypothetical, this by is the way. A, this, this is a real, this is a real <laughs> example of something that happened here. We had a guy who worked in housekeeping who wanted to work at the front desk. And the reason that, that that wasn't a thing that was allowed to happen before we started to build this culture was because he wasn't polished and wasn't articulate. But what does a person who grew up in Baltimore sound like? And what is polished and articulate? I get called articulate all the time, and it's, it's not something that feels the way that I think people need me for it. And so I think that these are the things that, that have to be challenged because no one has ever said, man, my experience at the hotel was really great, but that Baltimore accent that, that from that one guy at the front desk really threw me off. If, if we have the right people in the right places, it doesn't matter which accent they have. But if in the same building, we can have 
and we can have several leaders, international leaders, with very heavy accents, uh, but not allow somebody to even reach the what should be the most accessible level of progress because they sound like they grew up a mile away from the hotel. What is that saying about what we deem to be valuable and what we deem not? And how, how can we possibly have an industry that is welcoming, inclusive, or even at a baseline fundamental level hospitable if we're, we're segmenting value that way? You know, it's weird about this too is if you go to Tennessee and you check into a hotel of Tennessee and they have like a Southern draw, you're like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm in Tennessee. This Southern John. Southern John. Southern John. Southern John. How does that work? Like, how can you exclude these people for sounding like they're from where they are, but you celebrate those over there as a part of the experience? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. What are you looking for? Whether it's staff or collaborators more broadly. From a hiring perspective, I want great energy in the space. And we had a lady come and apply for a job at the front desk who just walked in, which is like not a thing that happens a lot in 2023. And so I asked her, you know, how'd you hear about us? What inspired you to just walk in the front door and say, hey, I want to work here. And she said, her mother saw me on TV saying, if you're a good person, just come down here and we'll find something for you. And I was like, oh, I'm shocked that worked. But also that is 100% the way that we feel. I think there's you know, most everything in this building can be taught. I walked in off the street one day and didn't know anything. And six or seven years later, they let me one run of these. So I think that the, I think historically we've just put so many barriers in place. And you've heard the stories of like how people's resumes magically make it to the bottom of the pile. And I think that it feels absurd now when every hotel in the world is short staffed and looking for people. But I think at a baseline level, I just want good people in the space. Everything else can be taught. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 